John chapter 4. I want to pick up at verse number 7 and read uh, down through verse number 11. We'll cover uh, some of the others. I want to begin there by reading and just giving a, a picture of what's going on here. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? As I was uh, reading over my scriptures yesterday, and I was uh, looking over uh, my notes, it was the first time that it dawned on me that this really wasn't a typical Mother's Day sermon. And at that point, when I, when I realized that, I thought, wow. Um, but it is about a woman who is in great need. And it is about a Savior who can meet every need. And it is about the urgency of meeting everyone who has that need. And it's about the urgency and about the willingness of us to put ourselves in the places where we need to be to meet the needs of those people. I want us to look at, at a few points this morning. First of all, I want us to look as we look at this story and we look at the sharing and the presentation of the gospel here. I want you to, uh, our Jesus leading this woman to faith, I want us to first of all look at the great wisdom of Jesus as he accomplishes this. Now this is a woman who we're going to find out has deep personal problems. This is a woman who is in a deep sinful situation. And Jesus in his wisdom knows this. It's going to be best for him to deal with her alone by himself. It's going to be best for him to deal with her because the 12 men who are with him are are. They are, they are prejudiced and they are judgmental of the people of Samaria and they're going to be prejudiced and very judgmental of this woman who Jesus is having a conversation with. So Jesus chooses an opportunity while his disciples are going away into the city to buy food. Jesus sees this opportunity to speak to the woman at the well. Now the scriptures say in the first part here that we didn't read, it says that they had to pass this way. Jesus made it a point to pass through Samaria, a way that normally they would have avoided and not even made a part, uh, not even been a part of their plans. But here's what it is. Jesus made it his business. Jesus made it his business to be at a place where this woman could, would come and he waited there by the well for her. What about our opportunities? What about my opportunities and your opportunities to be there at the well for that person who needs us? I've had a couple of those opportunities this week. One was in a neighborhood here in Piedmont, a neighborhood that I'm very familiar with, a house that I've gone by hundreds of times. But there was an urgent need there in that home. There was an urgent need to share the gospel there 
in that home. And I was able to go and to be there and, and to, for that to be my will for that day. Also this week, I've had an opportunity to have the, a chance to build, to build a relationship with someone that I've not seen face-to-face yet. They've been messaging me through our Facebook app, through our Facebook page. They've been messaging me, and finally we had a phone call conversation yesterday. I'm trying to build a relationship with a young person to get them here in our church and to get them to be able to plug in and to be a part. Now, in one instance it was urgent. In the other instance it's an opportunity to build a relationship. And Jesus always gives us these distinctions. Now, where will our will be this week? Where will you and I be this week where we will have that opportunity to be that that person who is building a relationship or who sees the sense of urgency to share the gospel. Now, look at these scriptures here. Jesus doesn't use a direct approach. Jesus doesn't encounter this woman. He knows everything about her. Everyone in her community knows everything about her. Jesus could have easily went straight to the heart of the matter and called her out on her sins and and told her immediately that she needed to know Uh, these sins and needed to repent of those sins but Jesus doesn't use that directive approach here there are some people who can be approached this way but others have to be approached indirectly what Jesus teaches us here that in this moment in time he had an opportunity to build a brief relationship with this lady with this woman and to get her to the point to the point where he needed to be Sometimes it's urgent, sometimes it's an opportunity for us to build relationship. And here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew this very well. He knew that this woman was going to become very defensive. He knew that as he approached her and as he began to talk to her, he knew that she was going to become very defensive. First of all, she's a Samaritan. She is automatically suspicious of any Jewish person who would even have a conversation with her. Immediately when Jesus begins talking to her, her mind goes to the point of, this man is a Jew, and he's speaking to me who is a Samaritan. The Jews hate the Samaritans, the Samaritans hate the Jews. Why would this man, what is his angle? What does he have to benefit by having a conversation with me? She's suspicious of him talking to her, and second, she has this deep, moral problem and this deep sin that she's in and she's going to be real slow to show any kind of interest in spiritual things because once she shows interest in those spiritual things here's what's going to happen she's going to come face to face with her sin and she's going to have to deal with them and she knows this and so she's not going to be just quick to jump into this conversation now I can, I can relate to that. When I, was, when I was younger, and there were people that I worked with or people in the community or people that I would see, and I knew when they began to ask me, there, there were certain questions that they could ask me, and it would trigger a response in me. I knew that once they began to ask me something about, did you, uh, what, did you go to church Sunday or tell me about the church service they went to, I knew that some of those people were about to take me to, were going to try to take me to a place where I was going to have to face my sins or be confronted by my sins, and I was going to have to come to a place 
to where I was going to have to decide whether or not I wanted to continue in that life or not. And I became very good at ending conversations. I could get away, I, I could cut you off and get gone from you real quick. And Jesus knows that this woman here is going to do the same thing. She's not going to just jump up and say, here's all my problems, here's my issues, can you fix them? Jesus asked her a question here. Or he basically, it's not so much a question, he doesn't ask, will you? But he says, give me a drink. Give me a drink. Now think about this. This is a simple request to just give him a drink of water. Now there's not many people who would be unwilling to do such a small favor for a weary traveler. Jesus puts her in a point to where she has to respond. One of, the, one of the most important things here is Jesus shows his humanity. Jesus shows that he's weary and he's tired. We can look at these verses and know and understand, just as Kelly just saying, that there's going to be times and, and, and instances in our lives where we're very weary and we're very tired of life and the situations that we're in. And Jesus shows us here his humanity by showing us and the woman here, that he's weary. Now you think about this woman. She sees going to the well. This is not just something that she walks along whistling to the well and leaves the well whistling going back to her house. This is a chore. This is something that she has to do every day that she probably doesn't look forward to. She has to take a pot, she has to drop that pot, and she has to haul this water up, and then she has to carry that water back and try not to spill very much of it. And she's probably a lot of days has to wait in line, and a lot of days has to, you know, uh, it takes a while. And now here's a man who she doesn't know, a man of another race, and he says, hey, give, give me a drink. And she's uh, probably the first thing that goes through her mind is, you're just adding to my work. You're adding to my chores here. But I love what Jesus does here. He turns the table. He turns the table around. So many times now we discuss this, and when we're talking about leading someone to the Lord or getting someone to a place to where we can share the gospel with them, and we live in a day and time where a lot of times we have to meet a physical need of a person before we can ever begin to have a conversation with them. But look what Jesus does here. Jesus asked this woman to meet his physical need before he shares the gospel with her. That got my wheels to turn. How many of you know someone who could do something for you and you could ask them to do something for you and that be the way that you begin to, that conversation? It flips things a little bit. We normally look at what we can do to meet their need and then share the gospel with them. But what could we ask them to do for us and give us the opportunity? Now, y'all know, know me. Y'all know my story. I'm somebody that constantly has to ask somebody to help me do something. I had a lawnmower blade come off a few weeks ago, and I honestly believed you have to be a mechanical engineer to put a lawnmower, not, not the blade, but the belt. I honestly believe you have to be a mechanical engineer to put a belt back on a lawnmower. And, and, and I, I'm looking at it, and it looks like Greek to me. But I called Bill Hart, not that Bill Hart needs Jesus, and I was trying to get him to do something for me so I could share the, 
But I called Bill and he came and he looked at it and he helped me and we got it on together. But I want to flip that page, I want to flip that table sometimes and let us look for opportunities where we might could ask somebody to help us with something and that be the way. Whatever it takes. Jesus has great wisdom here in how he approaches the lady, the woman here at the well. And here we see her opposition to Jesus. Now, she makes a statement here in verse number 9. When she says these words to Jesus, she, when she says, How is it that you, a Jew, ask, me, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Now, we don't know the real attitude. We can read the words, but we don't know the tone that she asked that in. She could have been asking that in a very angry tone, saying, Why is it that you're even bothering me? You're not even supposed to be speaking to me, and here you are, and and I'm enraged that you would dare to make a request of me. But on the other side, maybe her words represent this. Maybe she's a person who's real weary in life, and maybe she's defeated in her spirit. And maybe that she's surprised that this Jewish man would be willing to even socialize with her especially with her background and everyone knowing about her. Now, Jesus answers her in verse number 10, and he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She's never heard of that before. But Jesus piques her curiosity and her interest and he, he's wanting to see here, is she going to recognize, when I say the phrase living water, is she going to recognize this phrase and the spiritual significance of it? But her answer shows that she didn't. Look in verse number 11 here. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Now here's what I picture here in verse number 11. Here's what I see. This woman is looking at Jesus, and she's looking way down in the well, and she looks back at Jesus, and she looks back at the well, and she says that you've come unprepared here. You don't even have anything to drop down to draw the water out, and this well is very deep. And I can just imagine that oftentimes she would, she's seeing here the impossibility of the situation for Jesus, he has no way of drawing water from the well. But I can just see so many times she's probably there at that well and she's probably looking down at the depths of it and probably in her mind it represents to her how deep her sins are and how impossible it seems for her to be able to overcome those sins and to be able to get any relief from the life that she's living when she looks down in that well. Jesus answers her in verse number 13 and 14. See, he says, Everyone who drinks of the water, of this water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus here, he gives her the answer I want to give you something that's going to well up inside of you and you're not going to have to come to this well every day and see this deep well as a metaphor for your sins. 
I'm going to give you the opportunity here to have living water and for that water to satisfy you in a way you never thought possible. Now, she gives a very shallow reply that we would think here in verse number 15 when she says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She's thinking in her natural mind, in her physical body, she's thinking, I would love the opportunity to not ever have to come back here and draw water from this well again. And she's still missing some of the point that Jesus is making to her when he's not talking about the physical. But Jesus is getting her here to this place to where she has to come face to face with her sin. And this is the significance of his statement when he says this in the, in the next verses. He says, Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now Jesus wants to offer this woman the ultimate thing that he's wanting to offer her is this living water. He's wanting to give her grace. He's wanting her to be forgiven of these sins. But first of all, he has to bring her where? He has to bring her face to face with the truth of the sin that she's living in. He has to get her to the point to where she sees, this is why I'm miserable in life. It's not that I have to walk here every day and draw water. I'm miserable because I can't find a way out of these sins. So Jesus brings her there to that place. He gives her truth before he gives her grace. Now we live in a day and time where we want to give, you, we want to give grace immediately without taking someone to the truth of, the acknowledgement that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You get a group of children together in a room and you ask them the question, do you want to go to heaven? How many of them are going to say no? Think about it. And it, when you ask them that question, they're all eager, throwing their hands up, yes, I want to go. And then you present them with it, well, just here's this prayer, pray this prayer, and you know you're going to heaven. With no concept of sin, no concept of forgiveness, no concept of anything that, that brings them to the truth of the reality of the gospel. And yet we wonder why when people grow up and, and their, lives have, their lives look like nothing like what the Bible has said that we should live and how we should be, and we wonder that. And we do the same thing in our, with, with, the, with when, what we watch and what we see in our churches in America now, is it's the same thing. We do the same thing in adult, in settings with adults. We, we use this, this easy grace with never bringing people to the point where understanding that they have to repent of their sins and have to face those sins. Jesus is our example and our model here that <clears throat> he brought her to truth. And he uses that truth as a springboard to confront her not only with her former life, but with her present life. The woman then does what so many people do. She tries to change the subject. She tries to change. Uh, have you ever been talking to somebody about the Lord and they say, well, you just believe that because your parents believed it. You believe that because that's the only thing you've ever heard. You believe, don't, do you not, did you not ever have a science class? Yeah, I did. It's called Genesis. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1 and 2. 
It's the best science class you can go to. But she, she does what so many people do here when she tries to start an argument and she tries to oppose Jesus. But Jesus doesn't stop. He presses on. And we see the answer that he has. Now, Jesus gets to the point where he knows the controversy that he's going to have to overcome. Not only did he have to bring her to a point to look at her sins, but now he's got to overcome this racial divide that stands in between them. See, this woman as a Samaritan is a mixed race. And the Jews look down upon her because of that. The Jews look at her as being the lowest form of the Assyrians who overtook the northern kingdom and the lowest form of the Israelites who were left there in the, in the northern kingdom. And they see these people as being not worthy of even having a place to worship. Now, the Samaritans claim that they are the true descendants of Abraham, and they have their own version of Moses' writing. They worship on Mount Gerizim, and they refuse to even recognize Jerusalem as the true place for religious ceremonies. There's a great racial divide. There's a great racial divide in, in, most, in, in most every situation, or a lot of situations that we come to. I've been on mission trips before, I took a group of students to Nassau, Bahama one year to build a home for some Haitian refugees. And one of the things that we did there, we had a vacation Bible school for those children. And there was a street right, right that ran down where we, were, where, where we were. And I noticed that the kids on one side of the street came to Bible school. But the kids on the other side of the street wouldn't cross the street to come to Bible school. And I began to wonder why. They all looked the same. They all dressed the same. They were all the same. And then I found out that the people on this side that we were doing the Bible school with were Haitian refugees. And the people on the other side of the street who looked just like them were Bahamian. And they hated each other. They looked exactly the same. They dressed exactly the same. But they hated each other. So many times in our, in our world, there are things like that that we have to overcome. Our own prejudices, our own beliefs, our own things. And Jesus is teaching us here these simple truths. Before Jesus identifies himself, he, he knows that he has to present to the woman. He has to change her idea about worship. And he has to teach her that it's not the form or the ceremony or the institution, or the mountain that brings one to God, but it is coming to God through a spiritual experience. He says this in verses 21 through 27, when he says, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And Jesus says, not only is the hour coming, but you are present here. The hour is present for you, and I'm telling you this, and you have a decision to make. You have an opportunity to worship in spirit and truth. Now the woman, 
she gives a, a casual dismissal when she says in the next verse, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And that's when Jesus has the perfect opportunity to look at her and to say in, in the following verse, I who speak to you am he. Jesus has taken her to a place to where she had to confront her sins. He's taken her to a place to where she had to understand that her idea of worship was flawed and that worshiping Him and worshiping God in spirit and in truth was what she had to accept. And now, through His unique approach, now she has to come face to face with a decision to make. And at the end, we see the change of this woman. Now, there's no record concerning what this woman replied to Jesus because the scene is interrupted because the disciples come back with the food that they have gone to get and they recognize the importance of this conversation. They recognize this is a very significant moment for them because Jesus is not only speaking to a woman in private, but he is also speaking to a Samaritan woman. And both things were frowned upon by the religious leaders of the Jewish people. And so these men realize this has to be very important for Jesus to be doing these things. And they don't ask Jesus, why are you talking with this woman? Because they have the sense that he's discussing a spiritual matter. But John picks back up with this woman in verse number 28. It says this about the woman. Um, the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Now think about this. This woman left the most important thing to her in her life at that moment was that water pot that she had. Was getting that water pot down in there and getting that water and taking it home for cooking and for drinking and for whatever they had a need for. And what was most important to her a few minutes ago is now secondary to telling other people about Jesus. She runs into the city to tell the men of the discovery that she has made. Now here's a great indicator of her new life and her new relationship with Jesus. She is not ashamed now to go out into the city and to talk to the very people who were probably just a few hours before when she walked to the well were whispering and pointing at her and talking about what a sinful woman she was. Now all of a sudden she is not ashamed to leave where she is and go say, i got to tell you about this man who told me everything that I ever did, can this man be the Christ? And what these men, these men now, they see a transformation in her. They don't see a religious transformation. They see something that happened inside of her that is spilling out now, and she will never be the same. This woman of, of bad reputation... This woman of bad morals, this woman that lived such a sinful life, this woman that Jesus knew that even the men with him would judge and look down upon, now this woman is gone to tell other people about Jesus. Now we don't know what led her into this life of sin. 
What we know is that there is only one who could transform her life, and she met him at the well. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he, some of you have had that moment at the well with Jesus where he came to you and he spoke to you and, and you followed him and you left what was so important to you and what you thought was so much your desire and now you follow him and your life has been transformed. Now, Jesus gives two very important lessons to his disciples. One is this, God loves all people without regards to their race or their ethnic background. God loves all people. Now, not only for the, their race or their ethnic background, but who they believe they may be. God loves them. And our opportunity is, is to show them Jesus, no matter where they're from, no matter what their walk of life, no matter, no matter what. We jump on airplanes and fly to foreign countries and we spend a week telling other people about Jesus, but here in our own community, we, we, we separate and we, we don't look to those things. Jesus didn't do that. God loves all people. And we should look at this and know that He's speaking to us to lay down any prejudice we may have to any, anything that may hinder us and to be able to tell others about Jesus. And here's something just as important. Jesus knew that there would be a woman there who needed living water. And he wanted his disciples to witness God's grace extended and saving power to a hated Samaritan. It's significant to me that at the end of Acts chapter 7, when the church in Jerusalem began to come under persecution, it's significant to me that the first place that they had to flee and to find shelter was where? Samaria. They had to leave the comfort of Jerusalem and go to a place where they knew when they crossed the border to go over into Samaria, they knew they were going to be hated, and they knew that up until this point they hated those people. But Jesus, don't you think it dawned on some of those disciples as they went over and crossed into Samaria? Boy, remember that woman at Sychar, that, that woman at the well, that Samaritan woman? Jesus was teaching us something then. Jesus was showing us that this woman, these people are going to be one of us, even though they're of a different race and a different ethnic background. We're going to come in, and, and, and what happens? When they go into Samaria, they begin to share the gospel, and they're not Jews and, and Samaritans anymore. What are they? They're followers of Jesus that later would be called Christians. Of all different, of all different places, of all different... And Jesus teaches us this. He teaches us through this woman the importance of the one. None of us this week are going to stand in front of a large group and tell people about Jesus. None of us are going to stand in a, in a, in a place like this. This will be the last opportunity I have until next Sunday to stand in front of a large group. Monday through Saturday of this week, you know who Jesus is going to put in front of us? He's going to put one in front of us. 
He's going to put one person in front of us. That one person may lead to one family. That one family may lead to other people. But at the moment, he's going to put one person in front of us. And we have to be willing to see if it was so important for Jesus who preached to thousands of people at one time, but yet he went completely out of his way to come here to preach to one, to teach one, and to lead one to salvation. Who's your one? Who is going to be, who is your one this week? You may not know that person yet. You may, not have, you may have never met that person before. You may not know who they are right now. But I promise you this. If you will pray and you will ask God to put the one in front of you, I can promise you of all the prayers you pray, that will be one that he'll answer. That will be one that he will be significant and he will answer it and he'll put someone in front of you. But you also have to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to make you sensitive to know when that one is in front of you. We're going to have a time of invitation, a time of worship now. And what I want you to do here this morning is if you are a believer in Christ, you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to pray now and I want you to ask Him, who is my one? Will you put one in front of me this week? One who is thirsty, one who needs living water, one who is troubled in their spirit and needs to have the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And then I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to make you sensitive to see that one when that one is in front of you. And if you're here this morning, you may be the one. You may be the one that this message was for. You may be the one who you may, you may be in the same type of situation as the woman at the well. You need, you've come face to face with the reality that you have sin in your life and you need forgiveness. Now would be the perfect opportunity for you to be the one who follows Jesus this morning. I'll be here waiting if you want to. If there's anything that you need, I'll be here and I'd love to pray with you. Would you stand as we pray? Father, I pray this morning that you would put in our hearts and our minds that one. And you would show us who that one may be in our own life. And I pray, Father, that as we seek you in this matter that we would pray to be sensitive in our hearts to see and recognize that person or those people when we come encounter with them. Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.